Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. We have one more story to share this morning, and it is my own, or at least a little part of it. That I had gone a couple years ago through some professional difficulties, and one of the things I have never been able to sort out is how to separate being a pastor from like my own self-understanding of who God has called me to be. Maybe there's something in vocation about that. It's holy. Maybe there's something unhealthy about it. I've not been able to figure that out yet. But I'd gone through some professional uh, trauma, which caused me to need to change jobs, which then had started to put financial pressure on me, and I was actually just a re- uh, a new homeowner, and so all of a sudden I didn't have the money to take care of my house, and so all of a sudden everything around me seemed to be crumbling down. All of these, and then, and as I'm trying to hold everything together, starting to realize my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my children wasn't, wasn't how I envisioned it and wasn't how I wanted it to be. And it all crashed down on me one day, and I don't remember what the particular trigger was, but I remember that I just went upstairs And I just dropped on the bed, sobbing my eyes out, feeling both anxiety and depression. As best I remember it, I was feeling depression as I looked backwards. That as I looked backwards, I saw nothing but failure, that I had let God down, that I had let my loved ones down, that I had let my family down. Belinda described depression as anger turned inward, and I very much felt that. But if I looked forward, I could see no way out of my situation. There was no money to do anything. I felt like the house was crumbling down around me. And who in the world, even if I wanted to leave everything, how in the world could I get rid of this house? I was stuck here. There was no option. And nobody was going to want me anyway. Anxiety. So I remember telling Jenny as she came up to take care of me. I remember telling her through through tears in my eyes, that I said, "Hun, I need you to take the kids and I need you to leave. Just ball up all of the destruction, leave it in this house, just go and get as far away from me as possible so that you all are safe. And I remember laying on her lap and simply sobbing. I identify with every one of our folks who spoke today. I identify with Sandy who had that thought, don't let, he can't be alone, don't leave him alone trying to cover over trauma. I identified with Derek in that idea of wanting to be nothing. In that moment, I simply wanted the memory of Sam Chamberlain to have never existed. I identified with Belinda saying, you know, who in the world am I going to tell? I'm I'm a professional. I'm God's God's messenger to the people. I've got to mush on. And I identified with Marianne when she said that in so many ways it became a job and not faith. And so Jenny talked me into going to my doctor, and I started filling out a form and circling all things, and I remember coming down to the line, these forms are a mile long, and I remember coming down to the line on how, have you thought about doing harm to yourself? And I hadn't gotten that far down the road, but I knew that I couldn't circle zero, and that's when I knew there was something wrong inside of me. My friends, the pandemic didn't create mental health issues. It only, uh, only awoke us to them. For far too long, anxiety and depression, bipolar, other diseases of the mind have lurked in the shadows, buried under the stigma of there must be something wrong 
not just with your body, but with you. If you have diabetes, your pancreas isn't working correctly, nobody says that's your fault. You get treatment, and you know what the church will do? The church will walk alongside of you while you battle this disease. Have a problem where your brain chemistry isn't quite right? Very, very frequently we'll hear, well, you must have angered God, or you must not have enough faith that you need to go hide in the shadows until you get it right. And so in this, I hear a call. And I turn to the words of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And Paul writes, be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Wise is about shedding light on the truth and living faithfully as a community in light of that truth. When we hear Paul say, be transformed by the renewal of your minds, let us not aim this passage at our brothers and sisters who struggle under mental health burdens. Let's not say, you, the one with the problem, you must have your mind transformed. No, 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 no. But rather, let us, the community of faith, walk in the light of this passage. That if our minds are transformed to see the struggles of our loved ones and the struggles that are hidden in our community, and if our minds are transformed to see the beauty in all of God's children and what they can yet contribute to a healthy, thriving body of Christ, then we will be transformed and our life will be renewed and invigorated. The World Health Organization defines mental health this way. A state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her own potential, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to her or his community. This man, called Legion, has none of this. And in that way, we might see him as mentally unwell. Now, before we get too far into this passage, this is a complicated story for modern folks to make sense of because our ancestors did not have explanations for the ailments that surrounded them. And so they often describe them under a single term, which we read as demon. And when they called it demon, they put a tremendous amount of spiritual weight and judgment upon the individual who was unwell. Certainly, we have come a long way from that, and we would not and do not suggest that anyone who struggles under the weight of mental health has a demon. That is not our language, and it will never be that language as long as I stand in this pulpit. However... Mental health today still carries connotations of spiritual well-being because it comes so close to our most personal truths. And in this way, those of us who struggle might identify with this garrison man. We have a community whose lack of knowledge isolates others because it can and often does carry the stigma of some kind of spiritual deficiency. That stigma then separates people out of and from the beloved community, just as this garrison man was. He was reduced to living naked, literally everything out in the open to see. He lived in a graveyard, living in daily presence of death and darkness. He was banished because they failed to understand him, and in doing so, their fear creates isolation for him. 
and they bound him because of fear. It was easier to bind one man than to educate the masses. Jesus comes to him and asks him what his name is. What a profound thing. What's your name? Who are you? And this is instructive for us. He responds, legion. This is not a linguistic problem. He doesn't get this wrong. It's a question of identity. Does he even know? In the story that I shared, I wasn't entirely sure. It's a question, who am I? And there are so many answers hidden away in ourselves. Am I the same as this disease? Am I more than this disease? Does this disease change who I am? If it does, does it change my relationships with those whom I love the most? Can you imagine asking, who am I, and having no answer? Or having so many answers that none of them seem to make any sense. And having no community to speak an answer back to you when you forget your own answer to the question, who am I? Yes, there is a healing that happens. We celebrate that. It's one of the great stories of the Gospel of Mark. But I'm struck by the idea that these demons couldn't be free-floating. This has always been one of my favorite details, and not just because of the pigs. They had to go somewhere. And in this way, I think it is instructive that for those of us who battle under the weight of mental health burdens, our burdens have to be put somewhere. They don't just disappear into thin air. And Jesus accommodates this man. For many of us, we have to find a place for our burdens to go. There are many places that burdens can go. Often it is a professional setting. That was true for me. My primary care physician didn't make my anxiety and depression go away, but she was able to hear it and was able to help me understand it. Medication still helps me with that every day. For others, the place to put that burden is in a listening, caring community where we can unburden ourselves of our stories with no expectation that the community will fix it, only that they will be present. And even internally, we have to find a way to situate it within ourselves. And it is less of being completely free of these issues rather than putting them in a box, just saying, yes, this is a part of who I am, but it is not the entirety of who I am. And we don't let these issues wash all over us. That has been something that has been really helpful to me. That yeah, you've got anxiety and depression, but just keep it in a little part of you. Don't let it become you. That's been helpful for me. Now in a community of one, now loved by Jesus, Legion finds himself in relationship with a single person, Jesus. Now he's in a community of the beloved. And he is scared to death to lose that. Did you hear that? He's begging Jesus, don't leave me. And anyone who has received treatment is like, don't, don't get away from me because you're the first ray of light I've seen in a very long time. But Jesus says, no, actually what I want you to do is go tell everyone what just happened. Jesus invites him to go back into the community. You see what Jesus does? He goes, he finds his way to those who are broken he helps them to find their way to wholeness and invites them back into the beloved community where the long-term support, love, and care and identity are reimagined. If we are the body of Christ, we are called to do the same. And as one body, we do this work together. We don't just tolerate one another. We accept one another, welcoming one another, and embracing one another in appropriate and profound ways.
This may require learning, work, training, connecting with resources beyond ourselves. But ultimately, it's about helping others find their way to wholeness and healing with all the tools at our disposal and connecting people to community. Jesus shows us a way forward, a way to be faithful as a community. It doesn't involve being therapists. It involves loving, sharing, and doing all that we can to see that one another comes to a place where every individual realizes his or own potential and is able to make a contribution to her or his community. Amen. The reason we read that second gospel reading is I would like us to be inspired by the four friends who are willing to tear the roof off of somebody's house if it meant that one of their friends would find healing. And so let us tear the roof off if we must to expose these issues, not as something horrible, but as an opportunity for love and to find ourselves lowering, if you will go with the analogy, lowering our friends to the feet of Jesus who promises healing. And so friends, let me be clear. We, as we pursue wise congregations, are not aspiring to be a treatment facility. That's not who we are. Just as we wouldn't treat somebody for cancer, neither we plan on treating somebody's mental health issues. We are aspiring, however, to be a loving, educated, and welcoming community where mental health awareness and sensitivity are part of our culture and are part of our programming. Where people can walk their journey with truth, with safety, acceptance, and love. And where here and in our community, yes, we can help with love and support in a diversity of ways. So what is wise? Wise means, again, a wise congregation has joined the mission to become welcoming, inclusive, supportive, and engaged in the mental health of the community and the wider world. And to include the World Health Organization's definition, we are simply helping people to be in a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or, own, his or her own potential and, can make, and is able to make a contribution to her or his community. And so if you'd like to learn more about exactly what WISE is and what congregations are doing with WISE and what the United Church of Christ says about WISE, I invite you to, to check out mhn-ucc.org. That is the Mental Health Network of the United Church of Christ. But WISE Congregations is an, for lack of a better term, an accreditation by the United Church of Christ that we have covenanted, covenanted to be a place of safety and of support for those with mental health concerns. And it is our intention to pursue the United Church of Christ wise accreditation. But this will take time. It will be a journey for us. And so, we, to, and so to guide us on that journey, we wanted to lay out a couple of steps that will be coming. First and foremost, we want to let you know that we do have a steering committee that is working on this. Right now, we celebrate the work thus far of Rachel Wagner Hutchison and Steve and Linda Mathias, along with myself, who are helping us to take these first faithful steps. They are working under the auspices of our outreach ministry team. And we chose outreach because we really do want this, yes, to support our congregation, but we do want to point it outwards to our community and to say, whoever you are, we love you. And so step one of our wise journey means telling our stories, exploring, and learning. And so from March, tomorrow, until May, we'll be hosting a variety of opportunities that will allow us to tell our stories and to engage with mental health issues. 
There will be a book study that is happening, and we're looking forward to announcing that very, very shortly. We'll be hosting listening and sharing sessions where there's no learning to be done, simply to show up and to share and to be with one another. We plan on showing a documentary to doing a viewing together, a virtual viewing of a documentary that will allow us to engage with some of the wider concerns. And then we'll also be doing this from time to time in worship, particularly in the month of May, as May is Mental Health Month. And so we'll be spending time in worship bringing these issues to bear here. At the conclusion of step one, sometime in May, we anticipate scheduling a vote. Having learned a little bit about what's going on and having heard our stories, this vote will be about a, an affirmation from the congregation that we intend to continue moving forward in this direction. So it is not, we will not be accredited in May. We simply want to say as a congregation and give you the opportunity to say, yes, this is good and we want to continue on this path. Following that, step two is about discerning God's call. We'll start writing a wise covenant and we'll consider how it ought to affect our life and our faith here together. And we'll discern opportunities for programming and for support. We'll figure out how to connect with wider resources. And we'll explore and experience advocacy opportunities. And we suspect that this step would conclude with a vote, yes, to approve a wise covenant. The time frame for this is negotiable. It's about, it's about how our congregation moves through this process. And then finally, step three... Once we voted and say, hey, congratulations, we're wise, that's not the end of the process. The end of the process is that we now mindfully live into our new reality. We'll implement program, participate in denominational and community conversations. And we'll do all that we can, both here and in our wider community, to move these conversations forward. We'll take those first steps, we'll do some things right, we'll do some things wrong, we'll make it better, and we'll continue on because we want it to be a part of our environment, a part of our culture. And so we look forward to announcing our next most faithful steps to you here in the, and we're this close, it's just, it's been a lot to try to cram, try to get everything together, but we look forward to announcing our next most faithful steps, but that is the journey. And if you have any questions about that, please let me know. Please visit our UCC Mental Health Network resources. There's, there's so much there. Churches are awakening to this reality. And this is the movement of the Spirit of God, and we're excited to explore whether we will be a part of that. And we look forward to seeing what God does with us. Mm -hmm.